The Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. Welcome to Youth from the Real, episode 205. I'll be one of your hosts, AJ, and with me is the indestructible Kia Soleil. Hey guys, how's it going? Seriously, I tried to terminate him, doesn't work. <laughs> anyway, this is the Free from the Real podcast, brings you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game of interest to us. And right top of that agenda are some gate crash spoilers. What's come crashing through the gate today that you appreciate? Um, well, we've had a couple of new entries. Like, I love, I love how we, I just want to say again, I love the way the spoiler season is done now, so that we get tons and tons of previews. Like, instead of just like coming back and every day we get five, maybe if we're lucky a sixth one. I just love how they've done a job of spreading those out to different websites and even on their own website releasing more than one a day. Okay, so that said, the first card that I want to talk about is Frontline Medic. Um, so this has been spoiled as a white card, two and a white for a three-three. Um, who has Battalion of whenever Frontline Medic and at least two other creatures attack, creatures you control are indestructible this turn. You can also sacrifice Frontline Medic to mana leak a spell with X in its mana cost. So you would counter it unless that controller pays three. So as soon as I saw this card, I just I liked immediately what he did. I like how you can basically use him to consistently attack with all your creatures, and you're never forced to chump with certain creatures because they will all become indestructible in combat, which is just awesome. Um, and it makes it a really tough spot for your opponent. On top of that, I really think his sacrifice ability is pretty relevant right now. Um, when you're playing an aggro deck, there's a lot of cards that are problematic for you that are X's. Um, most notable of which right now is probably Sphinx's Revelation. And the ability to make that cost 6 and X, if they want to even use it, is really good. Um, so I think it's a really cool card. And not to mention, you also just catch some other ones, like Bonfire of the Damned, um, Entreat the Angels if it starts to see play again. And there's, a, there's even a couple new ones in this set um, that can be relevant. So I'm excited. I think that's a pretty pretty good card for like a, a Boros aggro deck. Yep. Now, staying with Boros, um, one fun little thing which I saw was five mana for a 1-1 one, one red and white soldier creature with haste. <laughs> doesn't seem very exciting. Especially when you add in it's got a turn delay on that. Yeah. Yeah, so why are you so excited about this card, AJ? Because that's just the first upkeep after you play it. Second upkeep, you've got um, an additional two red and white soldier creature tokens with haste. The third, that's three red and white soldier creature tokens with haste. If your opponent is still alive by this point, you can imagine how this continues on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah card is Assemble the Legion, three red, white, an enchantment. Um, beginning of your upkeep, put a muster counter on Assemble the Legion, then put a plus one, uh, one one red and white soldier creature token with haste onto the battlefield for each muster counter on Assemble the Legion. Yeah, that's, that's pretty strong. It's an interesting card to evaluate because obviously if you could survive to this point, 
Um, it's a hugely powerful card. It's just a question of whether or not like it's good. I think it has the potential to be a really good finisher in control decks. Yes. Um, you know, you can sit there, blow up board, blow up board, stall, stall, and then you're just like assemble the legion, and eventually I'm going to overwhelm you with tokens. Yes, it works well with um, wrath effects in both its point and the curve, and in after you wrath. Oh hey, upkeep, bam, army, charge, your go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's a pretty interesting card. Five mana cost is a lot, um, but you know, if you're looking at it as a you know, inevitability finishing style card and not like playing it in your aggro deck to supplement your attacking, then I think it could be good. But I could be wrong. It could be good in that use too. But yeah, mm-hmm. pretty cool. Works but, very well with turning on um, uh, Battalion and in giving you targets to um, stick any of the other uh, combat related mechanics on. Mm-hmm. Is there any benefit for them? Being red and white, anything that's useful in that regard? Dozens of things. Um, might even be some things in standard. Um, aside from the um, obvious ones, um, well, there's a lot of stuff in Lawwind Block which uh, helped uh, with that sort of thing. If you've got any scourge of the Nobilis uh, gathering dust in your virtual trade binder, you can stick one on these. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would do it. Also, what if you had the um, the leech? All yeah, the they all red creatures are plus one plus one, all white creatures plus one plus one. Yeah, yep, a lot of potential being red and white soldiers. Mm-hmm. Very cool card. Very cool. Uh, let's see what else we got. Oh, this is another one that was um, recently spoiled. We're pretty much just on a Boros kick, uh, it seems today, because I'm gonna go with um, Aurelia's Fury which is another new fun X spell, so another good reason to like uh, the Frontline Medic. It is an X, red, and a white instant. It deals X damage divided at any way you choose among any number of target creatures and or players. You tap each creature that's dealt damage this way, and players dealt damage this way can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Like, just holy crap, man. Like, the implications of the different things this card can do are so g- amazing. Yeah. Um, why it's a mythic. <laughs> well, yeah. And it'll probably be uh, up there with Bonfire. Yeah. I mean, you can use it to, you know, shut down an opponent's turn. Like, you can, like, just hit them for one and all their creatures. So, basically, tapping all of their guys and keeping it so they can only cast creatures. Um, you can use it to... You know, actually kill stuff. You could use it to go straight to the face and just fireball them. Like, yeesh, man. <laughs> it has two settings, stun and kill. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You can, yeah, stun or vaporize. Like, you're gone. <laughs> and you can target as many different things as you like. It, it, it's, it's one of the most versatile burn spells I've seen, and I've seen a lot of versatile burn spells. I like Seriously, yeah, because it's like, I can kill you, I can two-for-one your guys, I can zap you and go to the face, I can kill you, know, kill you, or, you know, like we said, we can shut you out of a turn and then smash you upside the head. Like, yeah. Yeah, wow. Or just uh, use it as a three-mana, you can't counter my spells this turn. Yeah. <laughs> could even, yeah, it could be a three-mana... Um, Overmaster? Um... Uh, kind of more like what was it? Um, the cantrip from like Weatherlight Abeyance. Because wasn't that non-creatures? 
specifically? Might be. Yeah. Um, but it's quite hard to cast non-creature spells without flash on your turn, though. On True. somebody else's turn, though. Yeah. No, just absolutely bananas. Um, it'd be funny, like, to think about that, like, and just now, I was just thinking, in some kind of combo deck, because if you could use that early, like, you play it for one, like you said, so they can't cast counter spells, and then play a bunch of mana generating spells, and then kill them with a second Aurel- Aurelius Fury. <laughs> so you use the first one as a silence type effect, and then the second one just to kill them. I could see that, yeah, that's, um, and of course we've got plenty of ramp in red, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, these days they love giving us um, red mana, um, such as seething, like seething song and ride of flame, and what were oh, the other ones? Or was it braid fire from? Uh, mm-hmm. What was that? Cold snap. Yep. Given that this is instant speed, you could um, uh, play a braid of fire and um, wait, get a planes, and eventually kill them. Yeah. Very true. No, so. Yeah, to me, like this is looking. This is the front runner for your hallmark mythic of the set um, mm-hmm. at the moment. That's just so ridiculously versatile and powerful. So. Speaking of ridiculously versatile and powerful, um, there's. I know we're sticking with Boros here, but basically, this set seems to be in many ways um, Wizards' apology letter to uh, Red White fans for the mess they made with Radiance. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, hopefully, it's a Boros week, like on the mothership. That would just make this make so much more sense <laughs> for what we're doing. Yeah, Boros charm is the um, uh, one I'm looking at, and boy, is this charming! Choose one: four damage to target player. Permanents you control, permanents you control, are indestructible this turn, or target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Instant red white. Yeah. <laughs> so what you've got here is, um, wasn't there a um, two-mana burn spell which also did dealt four to you? Um, yeah, there was. it was Flame Rift, right? The red one, it deals four damage to each player, I think is what mm-hmm. it was. This is a targetable Flame Rift to only one player. Mm-hmm. Boros Burn decks will love this. I mean, imagine um, four of these and four... Um, Lightning Helices in modern. Yeah. And, of course, for Bolt and, um, yeah, something's being set on fire repeatedly with this. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Actually, a friend of mine, when this first got spoiled, like, a friend of mine who only, like, at this point, like, casually plays Magic doesn't keep up as much, and it was I thought it was really weird. I got a text message about Magic from him, and he was like, dude, they printed the ultimate card for us ever, Boris Charm. And I was like, all right, I'll go check it out. And I was like, all right, yeah, that is a card I can get behind. Um, yeah. And also, like, don't overlook the fact this is a two-mana instant that can give double strike. That is... Absolutely. That is pretty ridiculous. It's very ridiculous. It's one of the reasons um, I really like it. Now, the other thing which grabbed me, it's in the color of Roth. It's in the cover of color of Joker Holtz, of uh, Obliterate, of... Um, the two colors which most like blowing up all your lands, all your creatures, all your artifacts, and in the case of white, any enchantments that end up sitting around as well. Yeah, and, and it's yeah, permanence you control, not non-land permanence or anything, but straight up every permanence you got indestructible. Yep. 
I'm again, except for me, for six mana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Armageddon U is a, it's a pretty good play, I hear. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. um, same with Red and White as well. We had that before with um, Ajani Vengeant. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the, the ultimate on him, which did that. Pretty good. I wish, unfortunately, it's unfortunate that they're complete opposites with um, the color, as far as colors go, for Boros and um, Demir, because instant speed giving a creature double strike in combination with um, Cypher just seems pretty, could be pretty ridiculous if this were certain spells. Basically, get the Cypher twice in a turn, um, but stretching yourself to play, you know, pretty much five color at that point could be. Not necessarily. Um, bear in mind that you could have a um, either Boros Ors of um, Rakdos or um, uh, Boros Is It Azorius as a triad, and just go with the um, blue um, ciphers or the black ciphers. I mean, there's there's some of the some of the cipher spells that really fun. Um, yeah, I was just about to say, like you're doing red, white, black. Like the idea of getting Undercity Plague. On a creature, and then giving them double strike. So you cast it, they lose a life, discard a card, sack a permanent, you attack them, give them double strike, they set and lose two more life, discard two more cards, attack two more permanents. Yep. Or even if you just um, cipher it onto a creature with double strike. Yeah, I guess that could work too. <laughs> or if you want to be really nasty, cipher it onto. Um, uh, Aurelia, the war leader, and then give her double strike. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty mean. I've got to do that sometime, or at least something similar. Yeah, you have to you have to put a cipher on Aurelia, attack, and give her double strike of some kind to generate a 4x effect in that regard. Yes. Some kind of savage be- beating cipher. <laughs> pretty much. And then... I was hoping Under City Plague was each opponent. Um, it's not, it says target player. So because like, then if you did it in multiplayer, you would be king for a day. Well, I'm quite not, that you have, not that you haven't done many things in multiplayer to be king for a day before. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I quite like uh, cards which just give one particular player a really bad day. It's really it's actually quite uh, useful in multiplayer because you could say okay. That guy, that guy attacked me. This is what I'm going to do to this guy. Does anybody else want to attack me? <laughs> so mean. Always play the Absolutely. Politics. And in many cases, they do want to attack me, but they don't want to attack me. Yes. It's like, we'd like to, but we don't want to lose the game. Oh. One of the many reasons why I love magic. That's... Any um any last choice you want to go for that, or should we move on? Uh, one quick one, because I and I forgot about this card. I was just skimming through to make sure we talked about all of them, and it it aligned with with cipher cards and would be pretty ridiculous with double strike. Stolen identity. Um, yeah. Six mana. Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of target target artifact or creature. Um, so a important to note: not target artifact or creature you control. Just put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of any of them. And then it has Cypher. Um, yeah. Just, oi. <laughs> that seems incredibly good to me. Um, 
But I'm also thinking I always have an invisible stalker in play whenever I cast a cipher card. And if you do, that's quite silly because then you say, make a copy of, I don't know, your Thrag Tusk, attack you, make another copy of your Thrag Tusk. Seems pretty good. I know. <laughs> now, the other thing I really like about this, it reminds me a lot of um, Spitting Image, which was the Eventide six-mana green or um, blue uh, sorcery speed um, copy effect. Yeah, but it also touches right. artifacts. Yeah, that and that's and that's not unimportant. It's also not often seen. It's um, really quite an interesting one. Um, oh, hey, you tapped out in Commander to um, uh, drop your... Uh, oh, what do you call it? The... Um, Lightsteel? No, the... Well, the Blightsteel works, yeah. Um, or any insane artifacts uh, or artifact creatures uh, you don't want to stick around. Yeah. Yeah, you could use it to uh, kill a legendary artifact and then stick it on a creature to kill a few, um, to collect anything else you like. Yeah, no, I mean, it's. I think it's pretty interesting card, um, to say the least, and among, you know, my favorite of the Cypher cards mm-hmm. so far. But yeah, you're right. That that is really unusual. I, I don't think we've really seen that since Phyrexian Metamorph, where you yeah. copy, you know, copy an artifact and a creature, and it's not common. Like typically, you have the clone effect for creatures, and then you have a separate clone effect for artifacts, like during artifact-related blocks. Or just here, they just kind of tacked it on, um, which is fine by me. That's you know, just, I love the extra flexibility, but yeah. a little out of left field. Three words: Re- repeatable Phyrexian Metamorph. I guess that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, um, it's technically in the same colors as Drogskull Reaver. Yeah. <laughs> that which is, is true. an evasive, double-striking, uh, seven-mana. Ooh. Drogskull Reaver, copying your own Drogskull Reaver and ciphering to it. That's another point. It can cipher onto a if you clear board. Oh, hey, I've got no creatures in play. You've got a... Um, Darksteel Colossus is about to kill me, mm-hmm. copy it, then cipher this onto my Darksteel Colossus copied from you. Yeah. So now you you have to attack and force the trade, otherwise I will attack you, and if I trample over for anything, I'm getting another Darksteel Colossus. Exactly. And if it's Darksteel rather than Blightsteel, um, you don't force the trade. Oh yeah, that's true if it was Bl- yeah, if it was actually just Darksteel, yeah. No, there's... it's. There's a lot of interesting possibilities, and yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about the fact that you will you're guaranteed to have a target to cipher it onto because, well, unless you pick the non-creature artifact. Yeah. Um, but if you pick a creature or an artifact creature, you have that target to cipher it to. Yep. All, right. all good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we should have all the spoilers. Will probably be a lot more, as is customary, um, between the recording and posting of this podcast, and we have the link to that in the show notes. I'll go check it out. Yep. Well, wizards have um, quote listened unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have um, we mentioned in a previous week the phantom sealed uh, issues which we weren't uh, entirely thrilled about. What's wizards done to um, accommodate? Shall we say? Uh, well, as you know, we lost the four pack sealed um, events, and they were replaced by traditional sealed um, on demand. Um, eight-player events. 
so it will be six packs. The only issue was they, are fa- they were phantom events. Well, due to the incredible high amounts of com- complaining, co- commenting, criticizing in the forums that went on, and I'm assuming also the fact that um, they didn't fire pretty much ever, they have been restructured. So now the events are four tickets to enter. It's still on demand with eight players. There are only three rounds of Swiss. And then at the end, you are awarded prizes based on your standings. If you go 2-1, and one, you get one booster pack. If you go 3-0, and oh, you will get three booster packs and a qualifier point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty excited about that change. I'm actually going to sh- more strongly consider these events. I really love the fact that there are three rounds is one thing. Yeah. I like the event to go, qu- to go quickly because sometimes I can't fit in a four-round event um, in a given time period. And that's a great way to practice affordably because four tickets is not the end of the world. You know, it's all pretty much a booster pack most of the time. And then if you can go two and one, you'll get that money back in the form of a booster pack. And if you get a pretty good deck, get a couple of bombs, you can end up with three packs for four tickets and a qualifier point. So Exactly. Um, so it's only 15 qualifier points to get the, um, uh, to get qualified for your uh, force of will. So, what do you reckon? If you're good enough to pay four for a tick for a qualifier point, then or even eight for a qualifier point for that matter, if you're only if you're only three three nilling every other one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but then at that point, if it, if it takes you, if you could go undefeated every other event, you're paying eight tickets and you're getting you know six packs and you know your qualifier point, which isn't bad. Yeah. So if you could consistently go two one with the occasional three and oh I don't think it's a bad deal at all I'm actually a lot more interested which is to say greater than zero interest um, yeah. like it was before um, so that's good in addition to that they also because the only complaint left at that point I feel like for most people would be I don't like phantom events I like keeping my cards which is a legitimate concern and I'll give you that so mm-hmm. in addition to that they've also started on demand um, non-phantom sealed queues these are going to be 26 event tickets or one sealed event pack, or two tickets and six booster packs to play in those. You'll get six packs from whatever set it is, and open those up, and again, play three rounds. If you only get one win, you get two packs. If you go two and one, you will get four packs, and if you go undefeated, you get six packs and a qualifier point. So Mm -hmm. now they're giving those people the option to have on-demand sealed events for those that don't mind actually using boosters and actually playing in exchange for getting the cards. Um, Yep. So hopefully they've kind of addressed a little bit for everyone there. Sounds like a plan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's you know at least a step in the right direction. They took feedback from the community, they adjusted, and hopefully they will offer something that will work out for uh, wizards and that the players will enjoy. Yep, we shall have to see um, what happens and um, how people uh, take that up. Let us know, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pretty exciting news, um, at the very least to listen. Sad we won't get 30-card decks back, but I understand the concerns there, especially looking at some of the, just already what we've seen from Demir Guild and how milling would be probably a bit of an issue. All right, but if you, you know, if you still think there's a problem or you know, still don't like them, feel free to let us know, um, either in the show notes or by email. And, yeah, keep making your voice heard. Yep. 
Now, talking of keeping your voice heard, there's a little bit of, um, well, some people are concerned that their voices aren't being heard enough, at least in the um, various chat rooms available to us on the client. Um, so what's holding them back, should we say? Yeah. Well, we got um, an interesting thread started in the forums. Um, basically started with a guy, looks like he was coming on to blow off steam about being censored on Magic Online, probably for going off in some language he didn't supposed to us to. He obviously gives a story that makes it appear that he was unduly censored, but that's only half the story. The more interesting thing to me was going through the thread and seeing several people comment on about how they are not interested in engaging in the chat rooms on Magic Rooms because they are concerned about the potential um, sanctions that they could receive from orcs and from others. And that some even go as far to say, I think that's part of the reason that's, that chat is stifled on Magic Online um, is fear that, you know, there's heavy-handed orcs and there's no reason for that. Um, and there's no reason to risk having problems come down because you say something that an orc doesn't agree with. Mm -hmm. um, and I just I just found that interesting. Like I hadn't even thought about that. I didn't. That never crossed my mind um, as a reason why people would be not interested in in chatting on Magic Online because they're afraid that um, you know they're going to lose their account over it. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's kind of interesting to me that. The first post, the first line is, I have been muted several times. Yeah. Um, stop doing what you're doing that gets muted, maybe? Yeah, I love, I think there was one post, and because he goes, he he argues on to say, he was like, you know, I got muted for saying these things, blah, blah, blah. And, it's like, and then someone posts an example, they were like, well, if you did it like this, then they were right to censor you because you were being annoying and inappropriate so i was like all right that's pretty clever and so I, I i'm not concerned about whether or not he you know he is in the right and he said he was unduly censored but just the fact that some people said i am not going to post because i don't want to draw attention to my account and have someone and have something go on and i have to deal with it um and I was just questioning, like, do people feel like the orcs are overly sensitive? Are you? Are there people that are legitimately concerned that ch chatting and saying something will have a serious negative ramification on their account? I just never even considered that. I guess. <laughs> so, if you feel that way, uh, I would love to hear about it and your, you know, your rationale, or even if you have an experience with it, like. Did you try to chat and then something happened and you found your account was locked for a day or two or that you were, you know, frequently censored or you felt persecuted? Uh, I would just love to hear about it if anyone has any stories or comments about that, if they agree or if they're like, no, that's ridiculous. I don't, I just don't chat because the interface is terrible, which is what I always assumed. <laughs> so, yeah, let us know. Um, join in the discussion. Um, unless uh, you say something inappropriate, in which case you'll have to be muted. Yes. <laughs> and then further, you will be more closely scrutinized in further comments to be muted more often. 
-hmm. All right. Uh, let's move on for, to our prices. Um, yep. Got an update on the you know that list of modern cards that we've been keeping a tra keeping track of. Seems like a lot of things are kind of trending down. It, it's um, we're solidifying. I don't I, honestly. I haven't been keeping up with modern, so I don't know as much of what's going on. But this kind of looks to me like a standard environment where things start to get weeded out. Um, essentially, where certain decks are just not functional, and you see that those cards and those decks start to drop. And then the, the core decks of the format begin to absorb that value. So you have like a handful of cards taking up the value from some other cards. We've had several drops. Um, uh, Kataki, Cryptic Command, mm -hmm. Gifts Ungiven, Dark Confidant, Pyromancer's Ascension, Court of Calling, Noble Hierarch, which fell quite a bit. Um, Breeding Pools, Godless Shrines, Stomping Grounds. A lot of cards just trending down. Um, in general, and then a few cards going up. So it just seems to me that way, but I always thought Modern was more of an open format in that regard. Yep. Um, interesting notes. Vendelian Click is up four cents. Woo! From its last week. Damnation, hey, we were uh, just talking about that card earlier before the cast, is trending a little up. Um, still one of my favorite arts in all of Magic. Honestly, yeah, I particularly like comparing it to um, uh, the Kev Walker uh, Wrath of God. Mm -hmm. They um, used them um, on the first uh, of January uh, when they were um, spoiling uh, uh, Planar Chaos, uh, a Kev Walker Wrath of God fading into the Kev Walker Damnation art. That was, that is still one of the coolest spoils. Um, I think that Wizards has ever done. Because, yeah, I do remember that when you went to it and it had the slow transition from Wrath of God into Damnation. Because, A, you know, it was an incredibly splashy um, preview card, obviously, but then the way it was done I thought was incredibly cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I agree mm -hmm. with you. Yep. Uh, looking at land prices, there's no real stability there at the moment. Breeding pool seems to be ticking down as people realize it's going to be released in a few days. Uh, likewise, Stomping Ground and Godless Shrine. Um, yeah, I, and, I, and I just, I cannot fathom those because, yeah, we know they're going to basically become like $3 and $4 cards here soon when they come out in Gate Crash. And there are people willing to pay 14, 15 tickets for these cards that are, I mean, I guess that you know if you have to have them for this PTQ right now, or you know you have to have them for playtesting now, and can't wait a couple weeks. That's the way it is. But ooh, that's a the fact that you're buying a card that you know is going to be cut is going to lose like four fifths of its value. It just seems so painful to me. Well, the other thought is uh, people aren't buying them, and hence the price is coming down. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah. Um, that could certainly be the case. Um, and then we have some other cards, like um, Horizon Canopy, which is just continuing to trend up. Um, still a good card, and probably seeing a lot more play in decks, um, but at almost $17 now. Yeah. And it's hard to, to judge everything else, because we have no idea still about Modern Masters, because obviously some of these cards will be reprinted, and we'll see some of them coming down in price. But until we have a list greater than Tarmogoyf of what's going to be in there, 
and the details of how it's going to be released and how it's going to be made available on Magic Online to get an idea of how much will be put in the system, that's not. I don't. I don't think it could have an effect on the price at all. For the time being. Yep. As exemplified by Tarmogoyf jumping up from 67 to 82, um, even though he is known he's going to be reprinted in uh, June. Yeah. Still a great card. Still one of the best creatures in Magic, yes. <laughs> as far as just straight-up aggro creatures go. Yep. All right. Um, so, yeah, we have that whole price list. You can feel free to peruse it. We've made some notes on cards that made some notable moves. Um, if there's anything else we're missing in the list that you want us to keep track of, feel free to email us and let us know. Yep. Uh, we'll keep an eye on what you point us at, and uh, we'll see where it all goes. Mm-hmm. Which leads us into the question of the week. Does a fear of being muted or banned keep you from talking in the MTGO chat rooms? Yeah, so again, you know, just the question from our discussion earlier, absolutely fascinating to me. So if you do feel that way, please let us know. I think it is really interesting. I personally, no, I don't, I'm not concerned about it. I um, don't really engage in MTGO chat rooms because, A, I don't find most of the discussions that germane or interesting to me, and B, the interface is just such a pain in the butt to work with and reading it, especially when chat gets cut off. That just infuriates me that that still happens. That is annoying as all get out when the bottom line of what someone wrote is cut off and unreadable and you have to play a guessing game to figure out yep. what it is they wrote. That is so annoying. Either guess it or um, adjust the size of the chat window slightly, which um, should reveal it. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that I have to do that to figure out, you know, what the conversation is just annoying. So really, for me, it's just an issue of usability. It's the only reason I don't engage in chat that much, um, other yep. than in, like, private messages. So I have never been concerned about being muted or banned. And, I'm not, and to my knowledge, I don't think I've been muted or banned. Um, I know I haven't been banned, <laughs> so, but I don't even think I've ever been muted for saying something inappropriate or something that the orcs felt needed to be censored. Yeah, I mean, I'm... I am not quiet in the um, MTGO chat rooms. I tend to witter on a lot. Um, occasionally discuss deck ideas or um, interesting card com- uh, combinations with the uh, denizens of the um, casual rooms. And um, I've been at this for over a decade and I'm still, and I've not been quieted down once. AJ will not be silenced. Well, unless they... Um, unless they do sound you, then you will yes. be. <laughs> yeah, if um, if any of the... Um, I can just see... I can just see our orcish listeners going, challenge accepted. Yeah. They're going to watch you like a hawk now. <laughs> That's fair enough. Um, I certainly um, am not ashamed of having my various magic exploits looked at, um, which leads us nicely into what you've been playing. Yeah. So, AJ, what you've been playing, yeah. I was developing a two-card Moat 2.0 combo. Uh, back in the day with Tribal, I was often referred to as the Lord of Moat with uh, my penchant for playing uh, mainly um, white uh, big flyer tribes with um, uh, a moat to completely stymie stuff which relied on attacking in front of it. Until our good friend Lee Sharp and his colleagues at Wizards saw fit to take Moat out of the Tribal pool. I don't see why Moat would be banned in Tribal. That seems like such a fun, interactive card. <laughs> I'd almost think you were being sarcastic. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, so in order to get back to those days of fun, interactive games where you can't do anything and I smash your face with huge flyers, uh, I tried to do a Moat 2.0 combo consisting of Rest in Peace, which is the um, uh, two-mana um, morning tide or graveyards and um, Leyline of the Void Everybody as well. Uh, and the three-mana uncommon from uh, Judgment, uh, Web of Inertia, which is at the beginning of each combat step, uh, your opponents can remove a card from their graveyard. Um, if they don't, they can't attack you, which is really fun in Commander. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, because it, it says cannot attack you. Specific exactly. Line. Not can't attack, but yeah. Pretty mm-hmm. nice. Pretty nice little little trick there. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, first round, game three, at uh, 1-1, I was sitting there looking pretty with a um, uh, rest in peace in play, a um, my singleton uh, helm of... Um, is it helm of command? You know, the one which you... Um, helm of which exiles. Helm of Obedience, that's the one, yeah. Which exiles the entire library um, yeah. at a single touch. Uh, and two Roths in hand for several turns on three lands whilst my opponent killed me. Oh. Yeah. Put me into the lower half of the draw. Um, finished with a 2-2 record. Um, out of the money. Did help somebody get an achievement, though, so uh, not all bad. Um, so, yeah. A bit of a come see you, come see week. Mm-hmm. Could be better, could be worse. Yep. Not bad. Um, very good, very good. Uh, that's, you know, but the mana will get you sometimes. As for myself, I've still just been kicking around standard. Nothing solidified yet. I was very happy to see Mono Red uh, win a standard event, so that gives me hope that I can play it this upcoming weekend here, actually, um, at the Star City Games event coming to Dallas. Because I do love me, uh, my aggro decks. So mostly I'm tinker, tinkering around with those because I'm just most familiar with, with red aggro and what I'm comfortable with and it's what I enjoy playing. So um, I think it all, that's going to end up being my deck of choice. Obviously, I'll be able to let you know next week when we record. You can hear I'll be like, oh, well, you know, I started off strong and then I stuttered out in 3-3. That just seems to be my pattern these days. Hey, you never know. A um, couple of weeks' time, grab a few um, skull cracks and uh, go to town. Oh, man, I wish I had skull crack for this event. But in either case, I will do my best and hopefully have some fun, sling some cards uh, we'll see what happens. Yep. Yeah. Right. That's pretty much all we've got. So if you've got anything to ask us, say to us, or um, uh, bring us a task about, then the email address to contact us is freedfromtherealmtgo, all one word, at gmail.com. That's freedfromtherealmtgo at gmail.com. Yep. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that'll do it for this week. Um, from myself and AJ, thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. All the best. Goodbye.